You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Welcome to Reality Honolulu. Uh, thank you guys so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. If we have not yet met, my name is Riz, the pastor here at Reality, and just blessed and honored to be a part of what God is doing here in this church, and uh, just grateful you would spend your Sunday morning with us, worshiping our God in this place. Uh, if you've been with us before, you would know that today is not going to be necessarily like a typical Sunday, at least teaching-wise, because what today is is what we call Vision Sunday. And really what it is, is we do this every year. It's our annual Sunday where we just take time, uh, kind of away what we're doing. Like right now we're in the book of Philippians. That's what we do normally on Sundays. But we take this Sunday, the beginning of the year, to kind of look back a bit um, slightly on like who we are and our story and what we're about. But also, mainly, it's looking ahead and really like what we feel like God is doing. And it's a really neat and special season that I think God has us in, a really exciting one. And so it's just taking time to like share that vision. And the hopes would be is that uh, we would grab hold of it and even dig deeper to what God has. But for at least an anchoring text's sake, I'm going to read a section of scripture for Romans, from Romans chapter 12. And the reason I'm going to read this is that this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Rome. And this is the farthest at the time the gospel has spread from Jerusalem, from Israel, all the way to Rome. And there's a lot of persecution that's happening. This is a very new congregation. There's a lot of nuances, and they're just learning how to be the church. I mean, this church is like brand new with brand new believers. And so what Paul's doing, largely in the book of Romans, is he's writing this theological letter of like who God is and what that means for you. But he's also sharing practically what that looks like for them to be in community as the followers of Jesus, a.k.a. the local church. And so even though this is written then, some 2,000 years ago to a very different culture, it's for us today. So let me read this the snippet of this letter, this vision that Paul is giving to the to believers of what the church should be like, and then we'll pray and get into Vision Sunday. Romans 12, 1 through 2, I have it on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But this is Paul speaking. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this incredible picture we have in your word of this countercultural idea of what your church and your people are to look like. And God, as we kind of step back and we really think and pray about what you're doing here in this local expression of your church here in Hawaii, as we cast vision, we want it to be your vision, Lord. We want this to be yours. You are the senior pastor. You're the chief shepherd. And we want to just come alongside what you have been doing, what you are doing, and what you will do and say, God, we want to be a part of that. What we'll see today is it is an incredible honor and privilege that you've invited us into the building of your kingdom alongside you. We are not deserving of that, but you choose to use us. Our giftings and our talents and our treasure and all that you've given us stewardship over for your glory and your namesake. And so, God, we all come from different backgrounds. We're all in different places this morning. But, God, we just say, have your way and speak to us how we need to be spoken to us. Thank you that you are our good Father, and you know best what we need. And you are perfect, and your intentions for today are wonderful. And so, God, have your way. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but during 2020... And how difficult that season was. Many of us picked up hobbies. We had a lot more time. Maybe we were looking at YouTube more. Maybe we were just seeing Instagram like, wow, they, they're making sourdough bread. Let me do that. Ooh, painting. Ooh, woodworking. Whatever it was. For me, maybe because I like went down a rabbit hole of prepping videos a little bit. Right, 2020, like, right? Toilet paper's gone type of thing. I was like, okay, I, gotta, I don't know how to grow my own food. I got to do this thing. And then YouTube, the greatest teacher, literally college YouTube, I just started like digging into like growing food, farming, growing, whatever it was. Cleared a little side yard, actually like a big area of the little yard we had to grow food. And I got super into it. I still am, just I'm busier now that I'm not always at home in the same way. But... It, is so, it was so fun for me. And there was, I was intimidated, obviously, at first. But then, after a lot of trial and error, you realize you don't need much. You need a few things that are essential, but you don't need much. So those of you in here that are like, I can't do it. I'm not a green thumb. You can. Indoor plants, though, don't come talk to me. Outdoor, come talk. Uh, we can talk a little bit. I'll send you some YouTubes. But here's, like, cr crucial. 
it's crucial first that you have the right soil. That's why like composting and like making sure you have a rich nutrient soil is key. But then there's really only two more elements of this, seriously. Sun and water. Literally God does the rest. Now I'm biased because I live in a wonderful place called Kaniohe. This is like the Garden of Eden for growing things. <laughs> it really is. It's probably why they call it God's country. Um, you, it's hard not, if you fail at growing outside in Kanyohe, there's a big, there's, I don't even know where you're at. Because it's really easy. So I'm going to come from the easy route. But really, all that it takes are the right soil and the right conditions. You got the right amount of sun and you just water it. And literally, it's crazy how much you can grow. Especially here in Hawaii. I'm, I'm talking everything from like watermelons to corn to veggies to any, anything grows in Hawaii. Like it really does. Strawberries, blueberries, did it all. But again, it's so important. You first got to have soil and the right conditions. And then you just got to put a little time and little effort and it does it. So I encourage you to do so. But the reason why I bring that up is that I really believe as your pastor, leader, a fellow believer in this church, that our church is postured for a rich season of growth. Like in the spiritual, emotional realm, mental, like where we're at as a church, when I step back and I look at our church this season, it's as if I looked at like this rich, composted, nice, rich, fertile soil. Like it's the best of the best. And you're like, oh my goodness, like little water, a little sun, and it's going to be incredible. And again, I've been a pastor for a kind of a long time now, like in my short life, like 18 years, half of my life has been pastoring, been involved with a lot of ch different church plants and parachurch ministries and different ministries. And there's seasons, if you've ever been in the role of a pastor or leader of a ministry, when you're like, oh my goodness, I think this is the season where I see it all coming together and God's going to really do some really neat things. I'm telling you right now, at Reality Honolulu, I, I believe we're primed for growth. Not, not only in like, in, in breadth, but in depth. Like I really think God just wants to take us to the next level. And the reason why I say that is, if you followed our story, some of you have been here since before day one. Some of you are new. But we're six and a half years old as a church. So fall of 2017, we started, we met at Aliolani Elementary in Kaimuki, and that was an amazing season where God was just, there was this new church plant in Hawaii, and for two and a half years, there was this rich season of growth. Then March 2020 happened, and we're meeting in a state school, and so for 15 months, we were online trying to navigate all that 2020 and 2021, as you really, as you obviously know, uh, there's a lot happening. And it was so not ideal to navigate all of it online, but that's just the cards that were dealt at that season. But again, that was like the second iteration of Reality Honolulu. And that lasted till summer of 2021. So two and a half years ago, we restarted in a lot of ways at Princess Ruth Ke'eli Kalani Middle, in the room we're at. So if someone says, how old's your church? Well, I said, well, it's six and a half years, but it's also two and a half. Because it's the post-COVID, post-online, like, kind of new, new venue, new place in town, 
new community ministries, new vision, so to speak. Same dogs. Amazing. We're like a baby dog, all things church, just so you know. So that's part of us as well, and we love it. And it started back at Aliolani when we did that. But more than other times, like the first two and a half years were amazing in its own way. Even though it was really difficult, there was beautiful things that God did in that 15 months online. But the last two and a half years, in a lot of ways, I feel like our church in the life of reality Honolulu is like the most stable it's ever been. I pray to God there's no global pandemics on the horizon and I'm going to redo this message. I hope it's just like we're here. This is where we're at and this is who we are and this is what God's called us to do to serve the community. And I feel like that's where we're at. And what I, what I mean by that is I just feel like I know who goes to our church the most. It's the most stable. And God has been preparing the soil for the last two and a half years to get to this place. And it's ripe for growth in depth in Jesus and in breadth to see God even add to this work. And so when I read a text like Romans 12 here that Paul wrote to this church in Rome, what's neat is, is that it's a picture of what the church should live into. It's what should define them, right? It's, it's, it's supposed to be what's most important to them. And what I pray that you hear, because I'm going to say kind of a lot, but there's one thing if you're taking notes, I, I want you to take note of what I'm just going to say right now. One huge thing that stands out from this text in Romans is that God designed the church so that each member of the church is meant to be a valuable and intricate part to make the whole system function correctly. And what Paul does here, and he does in other letters, he uses the human body as an example. That's why we call it the body of Christ, because so many times in the Bible... The, the, the congregations of local churches are the illustration or the analogy is the human body. And a lot of times he said, well, the human body has a lot of different members. But they're all important. Like your hand and your foot is equally as important. Your eyes and your ears and their functions. Like your respiratory system, your circulatory system. Your, like every system and every member has a huge part of the whole. Everything's important. And so we see this picture here. That not just here, but all over the New Testament, we get windows into the church. That every member, not just the pastor or the worship leader or the leadership or whatever or the people on stage, but every member is supposed to be spirit-filled, sacrificially contributing to the whole. And that's actually what makes the church healthy. That's what makes a church vibrant and causes the growth. It's when every member is contributing to the whole. So did we see in Paul's exhortation here that said, hey, to make the healthiest church, we need the most elegant speaking pastors with the best sermons? No, we didn't. Did Paul say, okay, church, we're going to have the biggest, loudest, most expensive sound system and the biggest worship team with the most lights? That's not what he said. Well, what does Paul say? Okay, well, are we supposed to have the biggest, best building in the nicest location? No. Again, to each their own. I'm not trying to say, like, if you do, you're not. 
I'm just, I'm just trying to remind us of what Paul says the church should be like. Again, each church their own. That's not what I'm saying. But I want to go back to the basic foundation of what the church should be like. <clears throat> and what is it? What should the church be? Any local church, anywhere in the world, what should it be like? Well, the, this is what the church should be like. It should be a bunch of ordinary, imperfect people who are individually, each of us, engaged, devoted, and committed to their perfect God and his kingdom. And we're all functioning in our giftings. Right? Paul says, if you want to serve, serve. If, if, he pretty much says here, it's like, if you give, if you've got a lot of money, give generously. You have the gift of encouragement. You're needed to encourage us. Like, I love it here. Because together... All of us is actually what make up a vibrant and growing church. So what does this mean for us? Well, just like my gardening or farming illustration I used at the beginning, well, you need the right conditions consistently. The soil is rich, but we need the right conditions consistently. consistently. And what I mean by that is as much as God ultimately causes the growth— he miraculously, like a flower that fruits and makes it edible and nourishing to the body. You know what's crazy? God uses us the same in his kingdom. He's the one that causes the growth, but he uses us to water and plant the seeds and shed the sunlight. That's what's crazy. Right? In the garden analogy... Even though you can have the best conditions, it still requires you to put the plant in the right sunlight and to water it daily. God does like 99% of the work, but you still are a part of the growing and the planting process. So in the same way, God is going to ultimately do this. He has and he will continue to. But how does he? Again, is it like, Riz, you just got to preach a good sermon every Sunday? <laughs> I hope so, but no. Is it like, well, you just need to have these certain ministries or these people or this staffing or this kind of worship? No. Well, what is it, though? It's by using us, all of us, myself included. Again, I'm just one part. I'm one member, and I do have distinct callings and giftings for this season. But again, I am equally as valuable as you are. And you are as equally as valuable as I am. One of the like, most mysterious and most humbling honors that you'll see in the cover, from cover to cover in the word of God, like you'll see it over and over, is that God doesn't work independently from his people, but rather he chooses to work through his people to see his kingdom come. Like he literally does that. And Throughout the Bible, if you're reading the stories, you're like, God, why did you choose them? Why did you do that? Like, I don't know if you've ever studied, like, the disciples. God himself in flesh comes in the person of Jesus. And he picks the, like, weirdest ragtag group of 12. <laughs> I question it all the time when I'm reading. I'm like, you had the choice of the, all of the world. But it was to show and prove a point that it's not about them. 
It's not about their giftings and talents. It's just they were willing, and God said, I want to use imperfect people because I want them to see my kingdom come. And so what's crazy at Reality Honolulu here is, um, and I want you to hear this, is that, like, from my experiences in churches and studying church history globally about what makes up incredible movements of God, there's three things. Again, there's more. But there's three basic things that you can look at any movement of God through any people of history that makes churches thrive. Again, when the soil is fertile, what causes the growth? There's three things. Three main things that every member of the church, if they're devoted to these things, there is no stopping God to move. It's praying, serving, and giving. We're going to break that down and what those mean. There's nuances to all of them. But if every single member devotes themselves to praying and serving and giving, (laughs) there is no stopping what God will do. And if you look through church history and you look through every story of the Bible, it will come down to these. It's incredible. So number one is prayer. Um, Prayer is so essential. It's something I think we probably take for granted. But it's something that we need to talk about more and do more. And... There was this one famous pastor that you all have heard his name, Charles Spurgeon, British pastor. Um, And God, I mean, the church in London there, under the time that he was pastoring and leading, like it was a revival, it was a movement. And when he spoke on one of the things, he wrote a lot of books, so go check that out, and wrote a lot of sermons. But concerning the main thing that he said moved God's hand in the city of London in the 1800s. He said this famously, is that prayer meetings are the lungs of the church. And again, he was talking about all the good things, the preaching, this, that, and the other. And he said, you know what moves this church? You know what grows this church? It's the prayer meetings that are the lungs that give the church life and breath. That oxygenate the the, the blood of the church, so to speak. Without prayer and its prayer meetings... Don't expect to see incredible move of God. But you start praying and you start dedicating yourself to seeking God, watch out. Again, go check out anything at Spurgeon. It's great. But if if you're going to look back at church history, you can read books about it. Every move of God, every church planting success story, every season of growth in a local church can be traced back to the people of God praying. And knowing, their posture, knowing it wasn't because of them. They had no pride in themselves, but rather they were desperate and dependent upon God. They knew it wasn't about them. They knew it wasn't their church. And they were desperately wanting God to move and God to save and God to disciple and God to grow. I I want to ask you, I want to ask all of us, We'd be a people that we'd be a people more of a people of prayer in 2024 than ever before. That we'd be a people that are desperate and dependent upon God. Right? That we, uh, that if someone says, "What's reality, Honolulu?" like that, just like Jesus said, "My house should be a house of prayer." I pray that prayer would be one of the things that mark us. Right? I want I want to cast vision so that we could pray into that. And there's a lot of different opportunities. 
One is like before church at 9.45. From 9.45 to 10 a.m. is our pre-service prayer meeting. And I told them this morning, and I'll tell everyone again, like anything good that has ever come here in this church is because of those prayer meetings. It's because the prayer, other prayer meetings we have, or it's you praying for the church, or you interceding for the church at home. So I want to challenge us to make prayer more of a priority this year. And if it helps you, here's what might help you. If someone asks what time Reality Honolulu starts, first you're going to laugh because we start late. Then you're going to say whatever you're going to say. But what if you said, actually, Reality Honolulu starts at 9.45 because we start by praying. Goes till 10, drop off your kids or go to the bathroom, get a cup of coffee. 10.05, we start worship. But what if we just adjust? I'm asking you to, to come. I would love to see more people at that prayer meeting. But it doesn't, it's not just about that prayer meeting. It's about the tone and tenor of us just as a church. Right? We want to pray more for each other during Sundays, during Ohana groups. We want to cultivate a posture of prayer like calling up someone out of the blue. Like you've got 10-minute drive. And you say, you know what, you go through your phone book, you just call the person and say, hey, just want to see how I can pray for you today. Like, just that will change the spiritual climate of not only this church, but like this place we call home. Like, prayer changes things. And so anyway, let's be a house of prayer. Amen? Amen. That's number one. Let's be a people that pray. Let's also be a people that love each other. My heart for this church is that, and really what church is supposed to be, not just our church, but in general, the people of God are supposed to be, a, the church is supposed to be a place that everyone feels welcome, that everyone can come as they are, are excuse me, they feel loved, they feel accepted, and genuinely cared for. Again, this is probably just a pastor thing. Maybe not. I think it's just like a, when someone says, Oh, I visited reality once. And no one said hi to me. It's not just a reality thing. It's like churches everywhere, right? You go to a church and like no one said hi, sat alone, walked out the door, didn't come back. It like breaks my heart. Like it genuinely does. Because I know it's not supposed to be that way. And I know it's hard because we're all in our worlds and we're all talking and this and that. But again, I was just saying it breaks my heart because I know it's not supposed to be that way. And it's partly because there's a danger, and I think an unbiblical one, that there's like this expectation. And again, I've been on both sides, a pastor and not a pastor and whatever. There's this expectation that like the pastor or the church staff does it all. I'm not saying that anyone like said that to me, but it just naturally it happens. That, and what I want to just change maybe the paradigm is that actually biblically, it's like, well, all of us are supposed to be a part of, like, that new person coming in. So, here's my challenge. Even in that. Is that we would just view everyone around us as we gather as the church. We would, like, be mindful of who that is. Have I met them? Are they new? And, like, go out of our way. So I don't know about you, but, like... 
the way, the reason I like kept going back to church at a young age in high school when I got saved, <clears throat> I didn't grow up in the church. I got saved like middle school. But I remember in high school, it's really easy like to not come to church. But there was this one person that always stood at the door, like greeting at the door of the church. And they remembered my name. And they smiled. And they asked me about my week because they remembered like I had that sports game that week. I kept going back to church for a season because someone knew me and knew my name and just said hi to me. That's just humanity. Like, no one says hi and no one knows and no one remembers your name. You're like, I don't want to go back. So my charge to all of us is to be the church in a way that we all are mindful and we all are participatory in this idea that, man, that we go out of our way to meet and get to know and feel welcome and include and follow up with those that come. And only I'm saying this because as uh, extroverted as I am, like what you see on Sundays is like, I'm not like just faking it. This is who I am. I have like a high capacity to go meet people, but I still can't by any means meet everyone and say hi and go deep with anyone on a Sunday. So if anything, I'm just asking for help. I would, can you help? Can you help me? I don't want the load to know everyone. I lovingly enjoy it because I genuinely care about everyone, but I need your help. I need your help. And you guys are so great in this already. I'm just asking like, hey, let's do it more. Amen? Not too much? Okay, no problem. <laughs> but also, you know what's neat? Is that just like the, every member of the human body is needed, every member here is needed. And what I mean by that is that there's, I think there's this lie that happens sometimes that many of us believe that we think that our presence isn't really known or doesn't really matter or if we miss church a lot, like nobody really knows anyway. Here's why I don't think that's true by any means. Not only is it not biblical, but the body of Christ is actually supposed to have this reciprocal relationship where I need you and you need me. As much as you need my hug and smile and encouraging word, I need yours. And that goes for all of us. That's why Paul is painting the picture that you just serve everyone. If everyone is serving everyone, then everyone gets served. If everyone is loving everyone, everyone is loved. If everyone's praying for everyone, everyone is prayed for. Your hug and your smile and your encouraging word are equally needed as much as they are mine. And so part of this year, when someone says, hey, how's the church? How's reality Honolulu? I say, it's amazing. It's incredible. I love my church. I love our church. I mean that. But I said, if there's one thing that I would like love to pray into and see God do, Usually comes up. And it's, it's COVID messed us up, that's for sure. COVID season. Is that what happens is, is that I get it. Like, life is busy and it's crazy and sickness happens and sports and like, you name it, right? And I don't want to put like a religious yoke or trip at all. But my hope and my prayer is that this year, looking forward in 2024, that we'd be even a more engaged church. What I mean is this, just like more regularity. Because this is why. And you guys have actually come up to me and said it, so that's why I want to bring it up. You're like, Riz, I feel like there's a new church here every Sunday. Like, I don't know anyone. 
And I say, actually, it's hard for me too. I don't know a lot of people, but this is what I think it is. And this is true. You'll, you'll, you'll know this. I think on every, any given Sunday, one-third to one-half of our church is here. And then next week, it'll be a different third or a different half. That's true. This is just facts. But here's what that does. If you didn't come that Sunday, and then they didn't come that Sunday, but then you were here and they weren't here, you can go like a month or two without ever seeing someone. And they're like fully like your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're like, I have no idea who you're talking about. I'm like, how could you possibly not know who that person is? And it's just because life is busy or sickness or whatever it is. Like, and there's so much grace and so understanding. And I hope you know that. But I just read this, this fact. And I, I'm probably going to get it wrong. But pre-COVID, if you were members of a local church, this is from the Barna Group, the research group that does studies of every church in America. It was like a regular attendance, even from like your most committed members, was like two to three times a month. It's like once every six weeks now across America. Like it's not a reality thing. It's just like less consistent, less this, less engagement, like across the nation, probably across the world too. But here's what that does. If we're all needed and God wants to use all of us every Sunday in our giftings, but only half comes, well, then that's half the ministry happening. So if twice as many people came, twice as much ministry would happen. Because, again, I'm not up here like, you got to come to church 48 out of 52 Sundays a year or else. Like, that's not even, that's not even the Bible. Nor am I saying that. Nor it's like we get things out of like, oh, I had so many people come to church. Like, Nothing you get out of that. I'm not up here putting a trip on you. I'm up, if anything, I'm reminding us on how much God wants to move through each of you. And so each of us are like needed. Each of us, God wants to use powerfully for his namesake. And so if anything, I just want to lovingly, prayerfully encourage as much as you can, like, come. Come to church. And I know that there's nuances. And again, I know that you're going to trip out, like, next week if you can't come to church. You're like, Riz saw me. He didn't come to church. I am not judging. Dude, life's so busy and hectic. And I have kids and, like, don't. But I just want God to move more in our church. And I want to do it with you. So if you call, like, reality home, I just want to do, like, more of life and more ministry to happen with you. That's all I'm saying. Feel my love? Okay, sorry. Last thing I'll say is this, back to the uh, garden analogy and the consistent watering and the consistent this is, um, it's more than just regularly showing up, right? It's great if we all show up, but it's great if we come to church, like awesome. But I think it's so important if we have the mindset that one of the main ways that any church or any Christian movement grows is that each member participates with whatever time, talent, and treasure they have. And you see how Paul said that. He says, each of us are different. Each of us have different roles. Paul didn't, like, require everyone to do the same. If anything, he says, you're all different. And God gives you different resources. And he said, and the Bible would tell us that each of us have a different measure. Some lots of time. Some of us have lots of time. Some of us with lots of time have no money. 
Some of us have lots of money but no time. Some of, have, some of us have lots of skills and talents. Some of us have incredible giftings. Some of us have this, that, and the other. Like, put your, insert your name to whatever God's given you. And the vision that the Bible puts forth is use that. Use whatever God gives you for the furthering of his kingdom, but use it. Be a participating member of whatever local church you're a part of. Because again, God chooses to work through us rather than independently from us. And what's neat about that is like, for, for me, like for my responsibility, like I'll be like, okay, God, like you have given me this and you've called me to that. So I want to be faithful to give that to this church or give this to the community or like serve Hawaii in this way. I want to be faithful with what you've given me. Help me to be a good steward and help me to use it to the furthering of your kingdom. And if anything, I'm just reminding us of all that, of the calling that God has given each of us, that each of you has been given giftings and talents and resources, so use them for the furthering of God's kingdom. Amen? And here's where I want to land. Land the plane, because I'm going long. My wife and I, with, uh, at the time, was our nine-month-old son and three-year-old daughter. They're now seven and ten downstairs. But at the time, seven years ago, we moved from California to, and the reason why we did so, I mean, with a nine-month-old and a three-year-old, is we felt that we were supposed to help start a new work of God alongside what God had already been doing here in the islands for a long time. We did not think that we were coming with like a new answer or this new shiny object. Like this is how you do church. If anything, we were like, oh my gosh, really? You're calling me there? Like, but God, if you're doing it, we're in. And what we felt called to do, we were supposed to start a new church alongside so many other awesome churches already to see God form a new community that followed Jesus, that sought the renewal of this beautiful land and its people. Six and a half years later, or two and a half years later, whatever you want to say, it's six and a half. This is a testimony of what God has done. You sitting here are a testimony of what God has done. When I tell people all the time my story, they're like, a howly guy from California moved to start a new church and you didn't know anyone here and you're not connected to any churches. You're like, you're crazy. Looking back, I was crazy. I would, I would so like, hey dude, just, are you sure? Like if myself came and asked me, I'd be like, are you sure that's the call of God? Because it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of action to try to do that. And I don't know if it's going to work. And I actually got a lot of that. But the reason why I was so confident was not in myself because I really felt like we were supposed to just do what God told us to do and he was going to do it. We've just been trying to be faithful to that. And he has. Like miraculously he has. And what I want to do today is that to encourage us, my friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, that God isn't done. Rather, he's just getting started here at Reality Honolulu. I really believe that. 
The soil is fertile. God has brought all the nutrients necessary. But now is the time where he wants to use each of us to water and to use us to cause sun, to, to, to grow this 30, 60, 100-fold in depth and in breadth, just like the Bible says it'll happen. So what the vision of, for 2024 for Reality Honolulu is, is it's time to build. It's time to get to work. Like, let's commit more than ever to praying and serving and giving alongside God's people to see God's kingdom come here in Hawaii as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this incredible, beautiful body of Christ. Over the years, God, I can testify countless times where you've you blew me away with the generosity of this church, the servant heart of this church, the sacrificial love of this church. If anything, God, I just want more of that, Lord. I've seen you move in so many ways, God, over these last six and a half years through so many men and women in this church. And God, I just feel like you're just starting. And Father, we just want more. We want more of Jesus in Hawaii. We want more of Jesus here at Ke'ilikolani Middle School. We want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. God, we want to be a people that are, are, are people of prayer, that this is a house of prayer. God, we want to love each other well. We want to love uh, we want our love to cover a multitude of sins. We want to have this be a place that people can come and encounter the person of Jesus. They're known and loved and accepted. And God, we want to be a people that are generous with our time and our talent and our treasure to see your kingdom come and your will be done. God, we love you, and we're so thankful that we get to be a part of this work. I know personally, God, I am so humbled that you are allowing me and my wife and family to be a part of this work of God in Hawaii at this time in, in history. And so, God, we just say more, more of you, Jesus, this year. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.